We looked last week at the need for us to be in tip-top shape, given the, the strong pull of our secular culture, tendency, and the promotion of kind of doing away with God and following the stream of the culture. And all this past week, I, I had people reach out to me and sympathized with that experience of feeling the pull, the strong pull of the secular culture, whether it was high school students, college students, adults or parents saying, Father Mark, I know what you were talking about last week. I know that's what it's like at college. That's what it's like as we're trying to raise our kids and the pull from the secular culture to do away with God and go along with the rest. So that's why last week we looked at the importance of both the need to raise the bar as oftentimes it is now with our surroundings, with those around us, the bar is lower. So the need for us to raise the bar and also the need for us to live consistently in our spiritual life. So as to live in a manner worthy of the call that we received, as Paul hearkened as he wrote to the Ephesians in chapter four last week. But you may remember we ended the homily last week by saying as great of a strides that we might make by raising the bar and living consistently, it's impossible to get in tip top shape if we're not properly nourished. You can't build muscle, you can't win a 5K, you can't do much of anything if you're malnourished. And unfortunately, spiritually speaking, there seems to be a lot of malnourished people both outside and inside the church. And so with that, there's two things from our readings this weekend for us to be aware of, so as to be properly nourished. First, the importance of mystery, and secondly, the harm of a grumbling disposition. So first, the need for mystery. Our first reading, we start off, we hear, we're in, we're in the book of Exodus, chapter 16, and the Israelites had just been freed miraculously from slavery, from the tyrant of Pharaoh. They've been enslaved for 400 years, and through, remember, the plagues, and through Moses, God through Moses parting the Red Sea, which just happened the chapter before. We're in chapter 16. Chapter 15 is the parting of the Red Sea. And so they're on their way to the promised land here in chapter 16, but they're not there yet. They're in the desert. And things are not going that well for them. They're hungry. And they cry out to God for help to be nourished. And in verse 4, we hear this, the Lord said to Moses, I will rain down bread from heaven for you. And what that looked like was when they left their tents in the morning, there was dew on the ground. And when the dew evaporated, what was left was bread or manna. And the reaction to that was, what is this? That's what, that's what manna, that's what the word manna means. What is this? They had, a, they had a sense of mystery and awe and reverence on what this was. It's like, granted, the Lord just parted the Red Sea, the chapter before, but still, this is more like dew on the grass, and the dew evaporates, and then there's bread. So they're trying, to, they have a, a mystery and awe. How, how can this be? Then time goes on. 
and their sense of wonder and awe and reverence fades. I'd have to imagine it happens slowly over time. And we don't hear this in our reading today, but it happens, we, we, we can read it if we keep reading, it happens later on. The Israelites, it says, stood outside their tents complaining and grumbling. This time they're not complaining and grumbling because they're hungry. They have miraculous bread, but they're complaining now because they've grown bored with it. So think of that, miraculous bread from heaven. And they say, the only food we have is this manna. And they turn to God and say, and say this, we are disgusted with this wretched food. That's what they say to God. They lost a sense of mystery of this miraculous bread that was before them every day. They became bored. They became bored with God and how it was that he was nourishing them. 75% of Catholics don't believe in the true presence of the Eucharist. 75%. When you go into a further subset of that, this is recent, recent numbers from the, the a Pew Research poll from a couple years ago that gets cited a lot. If you go to a, a, a further subset of, of younger people, so those that are 30 years and younger, that number goes up from 75 to 80%. 80% of young people from 30 and younger do not believe in the true presence of the Eucharist. That's not being properly nourished. That's a sign of an unhealthy church. Things have gone wrong. Things are going wrong. Modern man has lost the ability to recognize and appreciate mystery. And so therefore, we, we don't reverence mystery now. Like rather, modern man, to, to modern man, mystery is something to be figured out. I gotta solve it, it's a riddle to be solved. But for the Christian, for the Catholic, through the eyes of a Catholic, the mysteries of faith are something to be considered with reverence and humility. When we come to Mass, when you come to Mass, you see a lot of things. You see the, the sanctuary here, you see the altar, you'll soon have, see the priest, Father Burke, standing on this side of the altar. You, you see a lot, but there are so many things that go unseen. When, when in reality, it's actually Christ the High Priest, Father Burke in persona Christi standing here. Christ the High Priest who, who's the minister here. As you enter the church, there's, there's, a, there's a heavenly realm surrounded by saints and angels throughout this entire church who are constantly worshiping God. We can't see it. And as they constantly, the saints and angels constantly worshiping God, they almost give way and they balk to our worship of what's gonna happen on this altar. As the perfect sacrifice of Jesus going to offer himself to the Father for expiation of our sins, of his death, on Calvary 2,000 years ago is going to be made present on this altar. And so when Father Burke's going to, as he calls down the Holy Spirit of where normal bread and normal wine become the body and blood of Jesus, he's going to genuflect. And when he genuflects, when he gets up from genuflecting, he's going to say, the mystery of faith. 
what else can he say? What else is there to say other than the mystery of faith? And then you, your response to that, whereas the whole Mass is a prayer to the Father, at that point, you make a prayer directed to Jesus, who's now present on this altar, and say, we proclaim your death and resurrection, O Lord, until you come again. Your death, your resurrection, your ascension is somehow here. And what that is, is it's a cry from within you saying, I don't understand it, but I need it. The mystery of faith is something for us to be caught up into, to be engulfed by the mysteries of faith. We want to be caught up into the, into the heavenly realm when we come to Mass. But proof is in the pudding that the sense of mystery has waned in our culture and in the church. That's evident by the numbers that I, that I cited, 75, 80% of Catholics don't believe in the true presence of the Eucharist. That's evident in the fact just that the number of people that don't go to church on Sunday, Catholic or not, the number of Catholics that don't come to Mass on Sunday, we've lost a sense of mystery and therefore we don't reverence it. And it's the same as the grumbling of the Israelites in the desert, which leads us to the harm of a grumbling disposition. As mentioned, we're in John chapter 6, the bread of life discourse that we just heard is our gospel. And in verse 35, the very last verse of which Deacon Michael just proclaimed says this, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never hunger, and whoever believes in me will never thirst. Do you, do I believe that this morning? Really? When I receive the Eucharist here, when I receive the Eucharist at Mass, when you receive the Eucharist, if I receive it, if I receive it with faith, with an understanding, a thoughtfulness of what it is that, I, that I'm doing, that I'm receiving, and I, and I receive it free from mortal sin, here's what the church says are the benefits, or the fruits of, of receiving the Eucharist. It names many of them. I'm just going to name three here. From, the, from 1391, paragraph 1391 in the Catechism. It says, first, the preeminent effect or fruits of receiving the Eucharist is we become more like Christ every time we receive the Eucharist. That's what the Eucharist does. That's why we call it communion, receiving communion. We become in communion with God. And as we said last week, that's the point of the Christian life. The point of the Christian life is to be divinized, is to become like God. And when we receive the Eucharist, that happens in no other way like it does when we receive the Eucharist. Secondly, it separates us from sin by strengthening us. If we receive with faith, thoughtfulness of what we're doing and free from mortal sin, it washes away venial sin when we receive the Eucharist like this. Venial sins wiped away if we come with faith and thoughtfulness of what it is we're doing. And third, when we receive the Eucharist, it also strengthens us from committing future sins. 
Anyone here this morning struggling with a sin? A vice, a habit, or an addiction? Of which that maybe has been months or years or maybe decades of our lives of which we just can't kick. When was the last time we received with an expectation that I can be healed on the spot when I receive the Eucharist? The Eucharist is objectively powerful. It is, if, it is efficacious in of itself, regardless of the knowledge or the belief of the person receiving. But, but the disposition of one receiving plays a role plays a role on the effect the Eucharist has on a person. If we come up without faith, if we come up without thought, we just come up haphazardly. If I receive without faith, without thought, just haphazardly, the church teaches that I don't receive the benefits to the extent that God wants to give me when I receive the Eucharist. The Eucharist does not stop being the Eucharist but we don't receive the benefits to the extent that God wants to, to give me. There's years of my life where I, received, where I received when I was anti-Catholic through my college years. I got to the point where I told my parents that I'm not Catholic anymore. I don't want to be Catholic anymore. Mary, Mary the saints, the Eucharist, done with it. That was at its worst. The best was hundreds of times of me receiving the Eucharist just haphazardly with no thought in the world. I wasn't getting nourished to the extent that God wanted to nourish me through the Eucharist. Of being in communion with him. Of having my venial sins be wiped away. Of being kept from future sin, which by the way, it was a time in my life where that would have been really helpful. To have received his strength and his power and his grace that he wanted to give me and nourish me in the Eucharist. That's the harm of coming with a grumbling disposition. So what are we to do this morning? I think one thing. Surrender to the mystery of God this morning. Surrender to the mystery. Some of us, some of us here this, this morning need to put away with self-reliance of this mentality of rolling up the sleeves and white knuckling it, that it's on me, that I'm, I can make the marriage better. I can, do, I can overcome this. I can do that. Put away with the self-reliance and surrender to the mystery of God this morning. The mystery of what's going to happen on this altar. The mystery of how God nourishes us through the representation of the passion, death, and resurrection of Jesus that's going to be made present on this altar. He can do for you and me things that we can't do for ourselves. So coming up, to receive today and going back to our pew, maybe our prayer is, Lord, I believe that you can change my heart today. I, can, I believe that you can help me in this area where I am stuck. So help me today. Please, Jesus, help me. Surrender to what it is that God wants to do in your life this morning. So let us not grow bored with mystery, but come forward with an expectant heart 
the disposition of being mysteriously nourished so as to get in tip-top shape. 